0: Welcome
1: to Rugged Theology, where we talk about church planting, theology, and drink coffee.
0: Hey, welcome to another episode of Rugged Theology. It's me, Adam Diamond. I am a church planter candidate with Mile One Mission, and we're beginning a new series now. Um, we decided that we would help you guys learn about the people behind um, Rugged Theology and Malwan Mission. So we're doing a series that uh, I've called Growing Up. Um, so our first episode is actually Growing Up Angli- Anglican, sorry, with uh, Stephen Da, who is the Director of uh, Education with Malwin Mission and also an elder at Calvary Baptist. So these episodes, or, sorry, this episode is... Uh, kind of hosted with uh, our director and lead elder, Stephen Bray, interviewing each each person. So uh, enjoy this interview as Steve Bray helps you learn more about Stephen Da.
2: Well, we want to welcome you to another episode of Rugged Theology. We've had the joy of going through some different topics, some different views of theology. We've done some different themes But we thought we'd change things up a little bit and let you, the audience, know a little bit about us, other people, uh, who makes up um, Mile One Mission and what we're trying to do here in St. John's, Newfoundland. My name is Steve Bray. I'm the executive director of Mile One Mission. Mile One Mission is a ministry of Calvary Baptist Church, of which I'm the lead elder, and it's been a joy for me to do that. And I have with me, as my special guest, he's my friend, he's my fellow elder, fellow laborer in the ministry. His name is Steve Da. And I want to say welcome, Steve. Well, thank you, Steve. Yeah, there we are. We are the Steve Squared. Um, What we thought we would do is let you guys get to know a little bit of our story. And so... You know, Steve and I have known each other for uh, almost eight years now, I guess, give or take. About we've, that. we've been in ministry officially for about six years. Before that, we were together in Prince Edward Island, and yet we're both native Newfoundlanders, mm-hmm. and we both have very different stories. And today, but I'd we love we did it. grow up pretty close to each other. We did too, yes, right, in Harbor Grace and Bay Roberts yep. and all that kind of stuff. But we do have very different stories, and today I want you to give your story, so... For our listening audience and those kind of pairing in on our ministry, Steve, you are an elder at Calvary Baptist Church, and you can kind of talk a little bit about that if you feel led. And But the truth of the matter is, you didn't grow up in a Baptist church. You grew up out around the bay, as we call it. That's our expression. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you grew up?
1: Well, uh, like an, a large proportion of Newfoundlanders, I grew up as an Anglican. I went to an Anglican church for my entire life. Uh, you know, I can remember memorizing the old Book of Common Prayer from the time I was, you know, able to speak. And so I actually could probably still rattle off the entire communion service off the top of my head. Good um, on you, buddy. But I, I grew up uh, Anglican. I, You know, I uh, I was part of the Anglican church in Bay Roberts. I, Well, Coley's Point, technically. Mm, that's right. Um, and I was a server in the church. I did a whole bunch of different ministry things with youth ministry and things. Uh, the, the interesting part is I probably wouldn't have called myself a Christian, or I wouldn't now call myself a Christian back then. I was just very involved in church. Um, but that's that, that, that's probably another uh, another question for another time.
2: Well, that's a great start. I, I'm, I'm interested, and I'm sure maybe even our audience is, because... Obviously, in Newfoundland and Labrador, the idea of Baptist is not a normal term we hear a lot.
1: No. In fact, I hadn't heard of what a Baptist was until I went to New Brunswick for school.
2: Yeah, I I can imagine. I know for me growing up, I always thought there there were only five religions in Newfoundland and Labrador. You were Roman Catholic, or you were Anglican, you were United, or you were Salvation Army, or you were Pentecostal.
1: Um, so, and, and to be clear, when I was growing up, the big ones were actually United, Anglican, and, Cal- and Catholic. Yeah. Those were the big three. So
2: riddle me this then, how does an Anglican boy who was trained for the ministry come to be not only a Baptist, but an elder at a Baptist church?
1: Well, it's, it's a bit of a long story in a lot of ways. I remained Anglican for a very long time uh, after I actually had a saving experience with Jesus Christ. Uh, I came to saving faith in Jesus Christ probably when I was about 18, 19 years old, strangely enough, through reading a uh, copy of the Gospel of John that a Gideon, a, a, the Gideons give you in grade four, at oh, least okay. uh, most schools here. So
2: as you get into this story, then, to be clear for our listening audience, we are making a very distinct qualification here that your denomination doesn't save you, doesn't make no. you right with God. Religion can't save you. No. Right.
1: Now, to, now to be clear... Uh, I'm. I'm not going to say that you know being Anglican necessarily means you're not a Christian. Absolutely, that, no, or, I totally get it. I'm just saying that you know I wasn't. Right. Um, I, I mean, I had a lot of religious uh, va- values. I was raised the right way. My mom and dad were quite solidly involved with the church, and you know I would say both are actually quite solid Christians. But I, again, it's it, it, it is possible to grow up as part of a church and never actually make a, a profession of saving faith.
2: Mm. Uh, so take me on the journey then from salvation. what happens next?
1: Well uh, again, when I first got saved uh, and you know it, I still feel kind of weird using the word the verbiage that way when I came to saving faith in Jesus, I still continued to be very involved with with the denomination I was part of. I became part of the diocesan Youth Committee within the Anglican okay, Church cool. Um, I was involved a great deal with uh, the Mun Chaplaincy with uh, the, the Anglican Church, um, yeah, and then uh, about I was also involved with Intervarsity Christian Fellowship.
2: Strangely enough, okay, and that what is that?
1: Uh, it's a it's an intercollegiate uh, university kind of Christian organization, mostly for North America. Okay, it exists at most university campuses in in Canada anyway. Uh, but they do a big conference called the Urbana Student Missions Conference. Right, right, yeah, okay. And I'm really old because I actually remember going to Urbana when it was held at Urbana. They <laughs> moved it to St. Louis a few years ago. Okay. But uh, I went and I went and I went twice. The first time I went, though, uh, I basically had an experience of Christianity that was a heck of a lot more close to what <laughs> I was already coming to believe by you know, reading scripture and that kind of thing. And then one of the weirdest things that you could possibly do, I mean, uh, being Anglican and, you know, being raised kind of low church, liberal Anglican, Okay. Uh, you don't learn, you know, you, you need to learn read your Bible and pray every day. I mean, if you go to church every week, that's good enough. Um, I was given a copy of the Bible. I still have it, actually. And it has in the back page a, a daily Bible reading plan, and I did the strange thing of starting to read my Bible daily, <laughs> uh, and it it kind of began to cause problems for the way I saw my faith and the way I was seeing faith being expressed in other people. Okay. Um, actually, while I was there in at Urbana, I got in contact with a, a missions agency that works exclusively in creative access countries, and I did a short term mission project in North Africa. Wow uh, doing, uh, right after, uh, uh, after Urbana, I was actually the only non-Pentecostal on the mission team, uh, because I was, uh, I was the only, I, I was a, an Anglican at the time. And so, uh, yeah, we went, uh, we went to North Africa. I did, uh, I did uh, two and a half months of uh, work there. And I, around the same time, I was deciding what I was going to do with my life. I was finishing off my university degree by this right. point. Uh, you know, finishing off a honors degree in philosophy, which, uh, qualifies you for the unemployment line. Um, <laughs> I can philosophize about why I don't have a job. But anyway, I so kind of so you, nobody who does philosophy stops with philosophy. So I, I was thinking about next degrees, and I did still feel a call to you know more pastoral ministry. I've always felt that since I first became a believing Christian. Right. But of course, uh, you know, uh, again coming from Newfoundland, I had different uh, ideas I could do. So I. Uh, I actually wrote my LSAT, my okay. law school's admissions test, and yeah. scored very well in the LSAT. Uh, I don't know why I scored very well, but I did. And uh, as a result, I actually had a choice to make between going to seminary or law school. For the first little while, I went to seminary. And Anglican Seminary in Newfoundland didn't really agree with the kind of Christian I, I was becoming. Oh, interesting. Okay. So... Uh, just imagine, you're, you're working in North Africa with people who came to Saving Faith in Jesus Christ themselves. They're telling you about uh, what it is to be a Christian and how important it is to them. And uh, most of them had converted from Islam, uh, which you know, causes some big differences with their families. And they, so they were paying a huge cost for being a believer that I wasn't paying. And then I come to a seminary here in Newfoundland, and I, have, I can actually remember the class where I decided it. I I had a class with a a member of the clergy here in Newfoundland, who then told me that Islam and Christianity were pretty much the same thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which, you know, for all of you listening out there, is not true. Uh, If you want me to, if you want me to tell you about it, I can. uh, I, I I had a big chip on my shoulder when I was younger, so I basically started asking the dude questions about, okay, so Islam says this, and then I gave quotes in the surah of yeah. the Quran, and Christianity believes that. How do they work together? Um, you know, we believe that Jesus is God's son. They say God has no son. Right. They're different. I mean just a simple difference. And of course I was kinda PO'd because again, I'd had friends who were who were paying a, a great price for being right. Christian. Yeah. And I'm talking to this, uh, you know, very, I suppose, intelligent, uh, upright guy who basically had a great paycheck and no problems, and he was saying that, yeah, those guys were foolish for, you know, moving from Islam to Christianity, and like, I I wasn't having it. So So what did
2: that do to you? What was the effect on you?
1: I was kind of mad. Okay. And so... I basically did then decided, okay, well, I guess this uh, seminary thing's a bust. So I went to law school. Right. Uh, ended up in New Brunswick. Uh, I was tending. Uh, uh, yeah, at, went to the University of New Brunswick, uh, Faculty of Law. Great school. Uh, I, I actually really enjoyed the really enjoyed my time there. Uh, it's a great city. Um, but yeah, and I got in, and I got in contact with. At that time, uh, I was going to two tr- different churches, the Cathedral of Christchurch down, down downtown there, and uh, Brunswick Street Baptist.
2: Ah, okay.
1: And at, while I was going to Brunswick Street Baptist, I basically came to the conclusion that I don't believe in infant baptism. So that was the big thing? Yeah.
2: That was the big...
1: Well, that was the first big thing. I actually okay. remained Anglican while still being yeah, yeah, baptized okay. as a... Right. Got, so this ba- is what, late 90s? Uh, yeah, very late nineties. Like right. I was baptized, I think, in ninety nine.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: And so, uh, yeah, I got baptized Easter of ninety nine, uh, and then became, uh, you know, I, I didn't actually become a member of the local Baptist church. I remained an Anglican for that whole time. Wow. Um, I, law school also proved to me I don't want to be a lawyer. <laughs> Between you, me, and the wall, there are some great. And our listening out there. audience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the listening audience. Uh, I, there are good lawyers out there, there are great people who are lawyers, there are some Christians who I, who I you know, think are really, really great people for being lawyers and Christians, I just don't think I could have done it. Okay. So I didn't practice law.
2: So you have a philosophy degree, now a law degree. Right. You've moved to the idea of a Baptist understanding of baptism. You've been baptism. You're still an Anglican. I'm still an Anglican. What's next, and Steve does
1: the next thing that saves all life? I went to Korea to pay off student (laughs) loans because you know the other thing that you get with two degrees is a lot of debt. Okay. So and you know that's why most people who finish two degrees with a law degree practice law. It's because they have to pay off the pay off the degrees. Right on. So I went there and I I, I became part of a Presbyterian church <laughs> in South Korea. Okay. Uh, lived there for uh th- four years this time. Uh, ended up uh you know by the last of it working at a uh, seminary in in Seoul in uh uh Chungshinde uh, which is a little Christian university okay. just right there in, in, in actually close to Gangnam. Yeah yeah Gangnam style Christianity <laughs> um, Look at you being all culturally relevant. Uh, yeah, don't get me started. But anyway, uh, I ended up working there for a while. I did uh, something called discipleship training, which is kind of uh, something that was brought up from the navigators that they translated into Korean and moved over to it. Um, and as I went through discipleship training, I realized I'm still called to be, uh,
2: you know, working in ministry. So that was the big decision that, so there was saving, saving faith in Christ. Yep. Baptism becomes a big deal. Yep. You go to Korea, you've got a philosophy degree, a law degree. I'm, oh, working, I, I'm working. I'm working at a
1: seminary at this point. Right.
2: I'm called the ministry. I am still it, called. It's the ministry. in Korea that you really sense.
1: Yeah, I did a short-term mission project in Mongolia. Interestingly enough, okay, where I was just teaching basic, uh, basic biblical hermeneutics. Went through okay. uh, Fee and Douglas's little book, uh, How to Read the Bible for yeah, All yeah, It's Worth. yeah, yeah. Great little yeah. book, by the way. It is yeah. a great little book. But I basically taught verse by verse through two books of the Bible to them. And it, was, it basically told me, yeah, I probably should be doing this. This is what I want to do. So I did that. And then uh, I went to... Uh, after that, I went back to Canada, did my seminary degree at uh, the same college that I went to before. So you come back to Newfoundland. I came back to Newfoundland. Still an Anglican, okay. by the way.
2: All right. So until the Anglican, of- baptized in a Baptist church, served at a Presbyterian church in Korea, back to Newfoundland. Back to an Anglican seminary.
1: Back to an Anglican seminary. Yes, Bob. In fact, by the time I finished... uh, Up until the end of my first year at an Anglican seminary here in Newfoundland, I was still an Anglican training to be a priest in the Anglican Church. Wow. Okay. Um, It just happened that as I was there, the the cognitive dissonance just got too extreme. I, you know, I'm having... I I am a full-on evangelical. I don't have really much time at all for liberal theology by this point, because I've spent years and years and years now reading books. I mean, when I was living in Korea for those four years, there were times... I found a really good Christian bookstore. Right. Uh, and they had like all of the books that you don't find at Christian bookstores here. You know, things like John Calvin. Right. The works of the Puritans. They it, And it, I could just go walk in and buy it. Right. And so I signed over entire paychecks to those guys. <laughs>
2: So but I'm seeing a bit of a pattern here. You got interested in the Word of God and actually started systematically reading the Word of God, not just taking everybody's explanations of the Word of God, you started to read it.
1: Well, and actually pointedly rejecting some of the explanations I've, I, w- I right. had been given.
2: And then you started reading broadly, yep. not just your own denominational camp, not just a, you know, no. only read this, you started to read, and I, I assume then that was both comfortable and uncomfortable...
1: It was actually more uncomfortable than comfortable. Right, okay. But again, it, uh, if you're if you're forced to believe something, you come to the belief, and there's not... I don't really think there's a choice when you come to, to truth. You either believe it or you don't.
2: Right. So is this the point where there... Is this where the crossroads between still being in the Anglican Church and now headed in a different direction happened?
1: Very close. Uh, I basically had a day... Uh, Again, I was having stressors with uh, the the school. The school was very liberal in its viewpoints, and a lot of the clergy that were training had very, very liberal viewpoints. I mean, I I had an argument with one of them about whether Arius was in fact a heretic. Um, By the way, in case you're interested, that's Arianism. It's a heresy from like the third century. Right. In any case, um, but I had that discussion, and... At one point, they uh, brought us together in a room, and we were basically being told that unless you're willing to basically shut up and let everybody say whatever they think is true, and you're not going to actually co- uh, contradict them, you're not really a good Anglican. Wow. So I realized I'm not a good Anglican.
2: So th- was, was that, that...
1: On that day, I basically walked out, you know, not knowing what I was going to do. I went to Mun CF, which is the Local Intervarsity Christian Fellowship chapter. Right. And back then they had ministers speaking every week. Mm-hmm. Speaking that week was a guy named Gary Stewart. <laughs> okay. Who was the uh, pastor at Calvary Baptist Church here in St. John's. Yes, buddy. Uh, he was, and of course you have to realize by this point I had read a lot of John Piper and a lot of other people. I was actually reformed by this point. And so I came to this thing and basically. Uh, I came from a church where I disagreed with about eighty percent of what they were honestly trying to throw down my throat. Uh, to be clear, I don't think that, that I disagree with eighty percent of Anglicanism. Right. I disagree with eighty percent of liberal Anglicanism. Right. In any case, uh, yeah. And then there's this guy speaking who believe who basically just preaches exactly what I believe. Exactly right down to the right down to the wire, and I, I'm sitting next to a guy. Who was the university staff worker when I was a student? Right. He's sitting right next to me, uh, Derek Butler, and I ask him, you know, he sounds like John Piper, <laughs> and then uh, um, Derek takes out a book and points points out in the front page and says, yeah, and it's a book by John Piper on uh, justification, and one of the people that he uh, is it's it's devoted to is Gary Stewart, the guy who was you know sitting in front of me telling me all about Jesus. And so I basically joined the Baptist Church. So
2: that was when, and that's what, like early 2000s or? Uh, By this point, it was probably 2007, 2008, yeah. Oh, okay. And so what then? Help me now. What's next?
1: Okay, well, I finished the seminary degree because I have actually never dropped out of a university program that i started. All right, so for my
2: listeners... We've got a philosophy degree from Memorial University. Right. A law degree from the University of New Brunswick. Yep. And now a masters of divinity degree from Queen's College. From Queen's College here at Mon. Yep. And went from being Anglican, baptized into a Bapt by a Baptist, off to a Presbyterian place in Korea back to Anglican, now Baptist. Right. Now what?
1: Now I basically needed a job after all this and (laughs) I worked at a call center for a little while, and then I f- realized oh, this isn't really working. I tried to do the whole Abraham thing and figure out how God is going to do things <laughs> uh, and fi- and help God a little bit. And so I basically went to online to Dave's ESL Cafe, the standard place where ESL uh, teachers look for jobs in Korea. Oh, and so
2: I, I'm hearing you, you must have ended up back in Korea. I did. Ah, I did. Okay.
1: But... Uh, I basically wrote somebody and uh, wrote, look, I'm looking for a job in t- teaching English in South Korea. And somebody responded, I notice you have an MDiv, Steve. I don't have an English teaching job, but I have a pastor gig. Wow. Okay. So I got connected to a, a small, Presbyterian, or <laughs> small Presbyterian church. They have 5,000 members. Right, exactly. A yeah. small Presbyterian church in South Korea where basically I was the English minister for three years.
2: Okay, so I got an Anglican who got baptized in a baptist church who Who's then first... went to a presbyterian church in korea came back to an anglican school became a baptist then went back to korea and is now pastoring at a presbyterian
1: church right but a, but confessionally a baptist
2: wow you're just you just have an easy life totally totally no <laughs> no problems at all so how did i meet steve da
1: well this is the interesting part cuz when i finished uh, working at the 3 years in south korea i basically don't think south korea needs as many Christian workers as it has, and Newfoundland <laughs> needs far more Christian right.
2: worker, workers than it has. Amen to that.
1: So I came home, and uh, I was—I wanted to find a way to preach the gospel here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Okay. I wanted, and I realized there aren't enough churches, so I wanted to see churches planted. Right. Uh, I'm not actually gifted that way. Okay. But I am gifted. Well, you're
2: definitely gifted in education.
1: Well, I've got a lot of it, Uh-oh. anyway. <laughs> I don't know about gifted. But uh, so, yeah, I was uh, trying to find ways to minister. Uh, people rightfully understood that I was not called to plant churches. But, I mean, there aren't a lot of Baptist churches in Newfoundland to work sure enough, at. Yeah. So, And the few that are here, very few of them would still have hired a reformed complementarian guy like me. Okay. And so, basically, I had no connections. Okay. Uh, and then I... Yeah, I... I was told that I should probably do an internship here in Newfoundland after three years of pastoral education, uh, or three years of pastoral education and then three years of actual pastoral experience. I need to do another internship, so I asked about that and I figured, oh well, that was I had already met you by that point, right? Yeah, because you know somebody had gone to your church who was a friend of mine, okay, and she told me about you guys, and so I went. uh, I ended up uh, volunteering a year in PEI working under you.
2: And that's where, yeah, you and I, our our paths finally cross. Absolutely. Which is why we're both big in the sovereignty of God, because you and I could never have scripted
1: this. Uh, No, and I definitely wouldn't have scripted this. Right.
2: So then for our listening audience, Steve Da is introduced to me by a um, surgery resident that is doing a residency in Prince Edward Island, says she knows this guy, and uh, I had this burden for young men that wanted to come and be in ministry, and our church was growing and very open to the idea of exposing men to ministry. And next thing I know, I'm listening to this fellow named Steve Dobb preach sermons at a Presbyterian church in Korea. Yep. And um, as the Lord would work it out, so yeah, you came, brought your own life and belongings and everything, yep. and served at our church for a full year. And then, for their audience to know, then, little did I know, I was in Prince Edward Island for 15 years, I had raised my family there, I'm a native Newfoundlander, and uh, another story in another Rugged Theology episode is my story, but leave it to say, or suffice it to say, as Steve is finishing up his internship and ready to go back to Newfoundland, God in His providence calls me back to Newfoundland, where I become the lead elder of Calvary Baptist Church. Right. And so you came back to Newfoundland in December of 2014, yep. and then I moved here in January of 2015. Yep. And of course, because of our knowledge, uh, the Church is very gracious, and we needed more elders, and so that's when Steve and I had a conversation about his life and future And I guess that's the end of this story. That's how you end up being an elder. And the rest is history, as they say. Yeah. So, and of course, Calvary Baptist brought Steve on as our second part-time vocational elder at the time. Yep. So in our last couple of minutes, because I know we haven't got a lot of time left. So Steve, that's quite a journey. If anybody's been listening, I I, I hope they're encouraged, too. You know, I feel like we're doing a CBC story. (laughs) That's the rest of the story. Um, But here you are. It's 2021. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you've been serving how, at Calvary Baptist Church as a vocational elder, as a pastor in ministry for yep. six years now, um, yet you've got all these degrees, you've got a background, you're highly educated, um, you st- you have a very fond affinity. You speak very fondly of your Anglican roots. Um, I do. Your background as an Anglican, does it affect your ministry now?
1: I'd actually say a great deal. Um, mm, okay. One the uh, I mean, I did joke at the beginning that I could probably still rattle off the entirety... Of the of the communion service for an Anglicans because Anglicans do communion every week. right yeah. Um, yeah, but a great deal of that is things like the Apostles Creed yep. and the Athanasian Creed, which I actually both I know both of them right uh, And you know things like the prayer of humble access and that kind of stuff, which is actually an extremely rich theology.
2: Mm. So, so practically speaking at the life of Calvary, have you brought some of your Anglican heritage to Calvary Baptist Church? I would think so. Okay. I mean, I do have,
1: uh, I mean, maybe in some superficial ways with uh, some of the ways that I ask the guys to think through their liturgy, yeah. not just simply, uh, you know, throw out whatever they think of, but actually think through what they're saying. That's one way. But I think more fundamentally, I have a very, very high view of theology and the, the need for you to actually think through what you believe. And I, to be honest, I think that comes from my Anglicanism, because... When I look at basically what Anglicans were historically, hmm. uh, not not quite so much as modernly, but historically speaking, they are people who think through their faith deeply.
2: Do you have any Anglican heroes that you look up to?
1: Uh, I'd say J.C. Ryle would be a big one. Yeah. I mean. um, yeah, a, a great many of... Uh, I, I would probably have been more of a dissenter if I was like in the early uh, Anglican area. Right. I probably would have been a Puritan. Oh,
2: um, yeah, yeah. But I know you've also influenced our church in regards to Calvary Baptist. Although we're Baptists, we do follow a form of liturgy. Right. We've tried to bring some of that richness, that heritage into our church, not because we're trying to mimic something, but because we do think it's important for our people to gather and formally understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Well, again, thanks, Steve, for sharing your life. It's a lot of intimate detail. I I really hope this has been an encouragement to our audience. We've really wanted you to realize the humanity behind this movement. Uh, Steve's a native Newfoundlander. Um, Obviously, God has worked in your life to save you, to walk you through this journey. And um, so here we are in the middle of St. John's in Newfoundland and Labrador, and we want to see the gospel propagated and it's just Amen. everyday, regular people. So, Steve, thank you for sharing your life with us. Thank you for being vulnerable and telling us your testimony. And, and again, if anyone out there, if you've got questions or you've got needs, anything at all, maybe you've been raised in a particular tradition and you're just trying to figure stuff out and you've got questions, please contact us at Mile One Mission. We'd love to interact with you. And for all of you in the broader audience, would you pray with guys like Steve and myself and others and pray for our city and our province? We want to see people know Jesus in a saving way. And so thank you so much. Pray that you have uh, been blessed and challenged and encouraged by this testimony. Thanks, Steve. Amen. Thanks.
1: You have been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is a podcast of Mile One Mission. If you'd like to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland, please visit us at www.mileonemission.ca.